Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Church, we have a special treat today, which is that you are going to hear the word from Johnny Rowlett today. Come on. It is such a blessing. I am so excited to be encouraged. Johnny is part of the Cornerstone Global Network of Churches. I know many of you have joined in the last several months and maybe are not aware that Cornerstone Church is part of a global network of churches that spans all the way through South America, across Africa, uh, and, and across the states here. And we are so honored to be part of it. And Johnny and Gail are part of the Cornerstone Global Network of Churches. They live here in Toledo, so we get to be their home church when they are home and it's such an honor and a blessing for us but they're not home very often because they spend a lot I think we have a video that we're going to roll just so you can see some of the things that they do while they're not here because they're not home very often that's what I was saying they spend a lot of time on the road God has gifted you know I often like to think about the way that God fits his body together we believe in the power of diversity here at Cornerstone Church and diversity comes in a lot of different packages and the body of Christ comes in a lot of different packages and God has unique fit Johnny for the work that he has called him to. He calls him to go out and speak to cowboys on ranches and people that many of us would never be drawn to. Come on, look at all of these horses out doing a, some, a reenactment rodeo something or another is the place where God has called Johnny to go share the gospel. And so I am so excited for you to hear from him today and just hear more about what God is doing through he and Gail's uh, life, through their work. They're actually not going to be home for very long. They basically came home to become grandparents, which they have, through no real work of their own, successfully done and are now grandparents. So you can congratulate them on the incredible feat of becoming grandparents. And Johnny was telling me they're heading back on the road either tonight or tomorrow because they have a new kind of thing that God has birthed in their heart. He's created an opportunity for them to obtain a good portion of land down in Florida that they are working on developing. It's become their kind of ministry outreach headquarters. And Gail in particular has such a heart to see a place where women can come and be restored, a place where ministries can come and be strengthened, a place where they can continue to do all all of the work that God is doing them, so they're doing through them. So they're going to be continuing in that. So more than anything, church, I want you to give a big, if you've got it in you, rodeo-style welcome to the Cornerstone Cowboy, Johnny Rollette. Good morning. good morning man it's so good to be home amen are you glad to be in the house at home I remember the words specifically of Bishop that said Johnny you need to come home that was over 10 years ago you need to come home and some of you know my testimony and some of you do not and I won't take the time to really reshare that but all I know is that I'm honored and grateful and blessed to be a part of this home and to be able to have this opportunity to stand before you, not because of what I've done, not because of who I am, but who my Father is in me. That I stand here before you this morning thankful and grateful that he does restore, renew, and put us back in a place called home, in his presence, in his place that he wants us. And I want you to know if you're visiting here this morning, you are home. And this is the place where people that are broken and hurting can come home. Amen? Amen. 
You know, it's, it's kind of a thing that you do, that you're supposed to do, that I've learned throughout the years, and I've watched people for so many years, that you're supposed to honor the people of the house. And I do honor Bishop and Kathy, and, I, and Pastor Kathy, and I do honor all that they've done and who they are in my life. And the, I'm a spiritual son in this house, and, and, I, and I am very clear about that everywhere I go. Cornerstone Church goes with me everywhere I go. I let people know I am officially sent from this house. We see ourselves as missionaries to to America from Cornerstone Church all over this country. I wear this bracelet and have always worn this bracelet. You can look on all my social media. It seems some that I'm always wearing this bracelet. And I don't know what the message was that you sent us out. It had to be seven, eight, nine years ago with the what if. I have led more people to Christ. I have had more conversations with, with intentionality towards pushing them and letting them see Jesus off this bracelet. And I just appreciate Bishop and Pastor Kathy. But what I want to do is I, the way to bless them even more is to honor their seed, honor their, what they have planted in the ground. And I just, I'm going to let you know, I don't know about you, and I, I think what we really need to honor, oh, Pastor Meredith and Pastor Phil for the work that they have done. Let's, yeah, let's just take a minute. I have learned more. I have grown so much in such a unique and different way. I tune in every Sunday, and if I'm preaching, then I come in on Monday. I'm learning. I'm growing. It's so rich. It's so wonderful. I'm so blessed and honored by you. I'm so thankful to be in this place this morning. Amen? I want to sing a song. My wife is in the back, and she's running the, the sound, and I was going to do a, a completely different song and as I was sitting there and listening to the incredible worship team and the incredible I, I'm gonna tell you sometimes you don't know what you got you go with me some places and you come home <laughs> you become very grateful for what's in this house amen and uh, the word that you sit under don't take it for granted because it's trust me it's special and uh, the Lord just kind of put this song on my heart I have just become a grandfather and uh and it is, I, most people said, you know, you will, it'll change your life. And I'm thinking, nah. <laughs> it'll be cool, it'll be great, but I don't know if it's going to change my life. Until I put that little baby in my arm and looked down at her, and I said, this is the prettiest thing I've ever held in my entire life. And I'm so grateful to be a grandfather. And all I can think of as I'm watching, seeing this, my, ba my grandbaby is, I am so blessed, and God must really love me. Amen. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Just want you to hear the song, the song of my testimony right here. There's been times I've let my faith run thin, not being the man I should have been. And after all the trouble that I've been in, I'd have given up on me. Well, I live free and I live fast. Lost things I never deserved to have. But someone looked past all of that. God must really love me. Oh, when I look at the miracle around me at the way that I live and the way he forgives I know he's up there smiling down on me and I believe the only reason why I'm even still alive is God must really love me come on thank you Jesus now listen I wake up and see her by my side. Oh, she's a perfect girl at the perfect time. Oh, and see the way my future shines. God must really love her. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Come on. Yeah. Oh, when I look at 
about the way that he'll live and the way he forgives. I, I know he's up there smiling down on me. And I believe the only reason why I get to live this life is God must really love me. morning he's on your side he's for you not against you he's got a plan for you come on thank you Jesus man good listen to this when I showed the worst he saw the best he pulled this world right off of my chest and every day I wake up I feel blessed yes father I feel blessed Cause God must really love me. God must really love me. Oh, God must really love me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, come on. Hey, God must really love me. must really love me and you know he loves you too you know he's all for you yeah God must really love me come on Father we just thank you this morning that you are the God you are our God you're not just loving, you are love. Father, I thank you that you are no respecter of persons, that it's not about the Johnny story, it's about your story. It's about your redemption, your love, your passion for us. And Father, I speak to every person in this room that is doubting, maybe doubting this morning, do you really love me? Maybe doubting this morning of I've messed up too much. I've gone too far. Father, I pray in the name above every other name that you reach in, grab a hold of the mind and the heart and minister life to each and every person this morning. Father, I thank you that it's not about me. It's not about the hat. It's not about the boots. It's about your word. It's about your message. It's about your love. And Father, I just pray that you minister to each and every one of us right where we are this morning and that we leave here better than we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Really excited to share this word with you this morning. It is something that, that is, I, you know, when you come to a platform like this, it's no small thing, Right? And I think you know that. And when I started to think about coming here, I've had a few months to prepare, and I have messages that are polished. <laughs> I have messages that I've worked on. I have messages that are crafted just so. And I started to think about those messages because it's a big deal. I take this very seriously. But then I started thinking, and the, the Holy Spirit began just to minister to me that I wanted to share something that has impacted and affected my life, that as family, I just want to share this word with you that it might minister to you in the same way. One of the things that I've learned about God is if something impacts me, there's a very good possibility that there might be other people that will be affected by the same thing. And so this morning, if you would just allow me I'd like to share my heart with you this morning. I'd like to share something that has so affected and impacted me. I want to say really quickly hello to all of my friends that are watching on, on, the, uh, on live. And then also there's people like Glenn Bowen in here. And, uh, you know, just, just so many people in here that have stood with us and blessed us and affected us and stood by us and always comes in puts a little something in our hands to help us keep doing the ministry. And I just want you to know I don't take that lightly, and I'm very grateful for my relationship here with you all. 
and I love you guys, and I know that you lost your mama this, uh, this last week, and I'm so grateful to see you back in the house, alive and living in Jesus' name. So, <clears throat> I want to tell you, I want to start this off by telling you a, a story. It's a story, it's a, it's a true story of a vision that I had. A vision as Gail and I were on the road, we were traveling to El Paso, Texas. We're actually in El Paso, Texas, and you can literally see the wall. You can see Mexico from here, one of the most dangerous ports in all of America. And as I was in that process, I, my heart was turned towards how do we reach these people? That's the way my mind always thinks. I'm always thinking about how can I shape and how can I reach and how can I minister to these types of people. And as I was praying that, the Lord just brought a vision. I got a vision of a bad, now let me just say, I'm not a guy that gets a lot of visions. I don't see a lot, I don't, I'm not that guy. But for some reason, I just saw in my mind's eye, I saw a picture of a battery, <laughs> a deep cell. For those of you who don't know, I'm, we, Gail and I are RV enthusiasts. We don't mean to be, but when you live in an RV full time, you're gonna be an enthusiast. You know what I mean? And as we have, as we're traveling this thing, we've learned way too much. I wish that I didn't know all that I know about buses and RVs, but one of the things I know is they have these giant deep cell batteries. I mean, I'm talking about gigantic batteries. And each one of those batteries have, uh, they're, they're called maintenance batteries. So you have to take the tops off of them and keep them filled with distilled water because that allows all of the charging to happen. And if those batteries dry out, the battery loses its power. And the Lord showed me this picture of a dried up, fallen apart RV battery, a battery that had no power had lost its purpose, had lost its direction. And, and I hope you're getting the connection. And I, I literally, out of the blue, for no reason, I just saw this in my mind. And Gail and I are just driving down the road. And out of the clear blue, I just say, what are you showing me, God? And it kind of shocked Gail. And, and, and the Lord just spoke to my heart and just said, that's my church. And I began to kind of, get broken hearted over this and, and I, I, I'm understanding and I don't mean any every church I'm talking about in general the church they've lost its power I remember Bishop teaching a message about David and going and getting the Ark of the Covenant back and it said they have not even inquired of it since the days of Saul and you think about that that means they've been having church but they had no power the covenant was the literally presence of God, the Shekinah glory, and they've been having church without any of it. So which says it's possible. And the church is somewhat, in the, in the most important time that we could be in, the church seems to be dry. The church seems to be lacking power. And I begin to kind of cry out to God, what, what, do I, what do I need to do to see this battery restored and renewed? What is it that restores this battery? And the Lord showed me kind of a, the water being poured in each cylinder. And as I began to, I, I literally said, what is that thing that's being poured in? And he spoke to my, just whispered that still small quiet voice. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the worship. It's the, it's the anointing that goes in those that brings it all back to life. It is not over. It's not done. This war is not lost. Come on. So the power or the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So I just really quickly leaned over to tell Gail. I said, ask Siri. You ever... <laughs> You ever ask Siri a biblical question? It's a really odd thing to do. And uh, she gave me an answer. I said, ask Siri, what is the baptism? What, what, I said, what is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> ask Siri. <laughs> she comes back with her English voice. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of their sin. That came from Siri. And I'm like, what, what, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. 
you know? And I'm like, ask her again. <laughs> now, we know that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is multifaceted, right? It, it can be multi, but it's so interesting that that's what Siri came up with. Now, and being all truthful, I, I have asked that multiple times again, and never has she said that again. It was so interesting. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of, the, of their sin. Hmm. What I want to, I want to show you something that walks this out a little bit. And I, I just, just walk with me here for a second. So what we see in the Old Testament, what, what it seems like to me, what it seems like to me is that there's a sense that the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament kind of comes in, descends into a circumstance, into a situation, and then when that circumstance, that situation is over, he ascends back. It's kind of a coming in to a situation and a going, a coming in and a going. But then, when this Jesus comes on the scene and he goes to John the Baptist to be baptized, there's this moment when he comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends upon him and stays. There's no ascending and descending. He comes in and dwells Jesus, and then you see the ministry of Jesus explode. So interesting. So working with power than Jesus, and then that same Jesus then does all the miracles, all the ministry, and then dies, pays our price, goes to the grave, and that same power raises him from the dead. And the first thing he does when he comes up out of that grave, one of the first things he does is goes and re has a kind of a, a, a coming home moment where he comes back to the disciples, walks into a room. The, the Bible says the door is closed. <laughs> he walks into the room. You know what I'm saying? And as he walks in the room, the first thing, you got to understand where they are. Let's put your real boots on. Where are they at this moment? They are in fear. They are in worry, concern. They are doubting. They're having all kinds of struggles. And Jesus walks in, and the first thing he says is, peace. Peace be with you. And the very next thing he does is, blows on them, in them. And then what's he say? Receive the Holy Spirit. My goodness. He had it in him to give it out of him. Let's turn to, let's go to John 20. I want to show this to you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Let's just read this in John 20, verse 21 through 23. It says, so Jesus said to them, again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Here's, here's the issue that I, the, one of the most beautiful things that you might have missed. If you, if you can connect the old with the new, if you connect, one of my favorite things to do is really there's this, this story has been told before. When, when Adam is created, he's made of dirt in the form of man. But that dirt by itself has no life. Until what? Until the father <laughs> breathes in that dirt and that dirt stands up. The dirt doesn't stand up because it has life on itself. The dirt stands up because God breathed life into the dirt. And the dirt began to stand up and have life. And here's the little side note. There's all kinds of dirt. Black dirt, red dirt, yellow dirt, white dirt, all kinds of dirt. But in the end, it's just all dirt. And it's not who you are. The dirt isn't who you are. It's the breath of God on the inside that calls a man. And now Jesus comes out of the grave, and the first thing he does, and John, this is in John, so John is connecting Genesis with his story, with his, he's connecting it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's connecting all these pieces together. 
So then John makes that connection that when Jesus walks in, he breathed on them the Holy Spirit the same as God breathed into Adam because Jesus is the last Adam. Come on. It's beautiful. It's powerful. The Holy Spirit, I don't know about y'all, but I've always struggled with something. I've always struggled with the ministry of the Holy Spirit because when I was growing up, we were taught to kind of the way it was taught to us, it kind of created like a little bit of fear in me. You better be careful. The Holy Ghost is going to get you. I looked at the Holy Ghost like a sheriff. You know what I mean? He's walking around spotlighting all of your mistakes, all of your sins, all of your problems. And so I was always somewhat hiding from the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I have learned since then that I had a bad perspective a bad understanding of who he really is. And I want to share this with you. <laughs> Go to John 16, verse 8 and 9. It says, And when he has come, he will convict the world of their sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Watch this, though. And of sin because they do not believe in me. What you got to understand is the conviction of sin. We see that the Holy Spirit is the sheriff walking around pointing out all your sins and all your failures and all your mistakes. But Jesus makes it very clear that what he's talking about is to those who do not believe. The role of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world. Those who do not believe, they need to come to a place where they find out, I have failed, I have fallen, I am not I am not righteous of myself, and I need Jesus. And that's with the Holy Spirit. But I want to show you, when you become a believer, things begin to shift. Something happens with the role of the Holy Spirit. Go to the next. Let's go to Acts chapter 10, verse 42 through 44. Acts chapter 10, 42 through 44. You know what? Yeah, Acts chapter 10, we're going, that's, yeah, there you go. And he come, this, let me just kind of give you the backstory of this. This is Peter, who is now on the other side of the resurrection, now on the other side of the mission of God, right? Given the mission. And he's arguing with God about going to the house of Cornelius. Because why? Because they're Gentiles, and he doesn't see them as being clean, and he doesn't want to go. So God drops this vision on him and shows him all this, what he considers unclean meat. And Peter begins to say, I can't eat that. I can't touch that. And God kind of calls him out, not kind of hardcore. Don't call unclean what I have called clean. Get yourself up off of your self-righteousness and get over to the house of Cornelius. Come on. So as he walks in, he walks in with the message of what Jesus has done. And he's preaching, and it's, if you read this whole section, it's, it's quite extensive and, and long and, and really good. But he comes to this part here, and he, this is Peter preaching to the house of Cornelius. And he says, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify, come on, that he is who he is, uh, that he is who was ordained by God to be judged, the living and the dead. Next verse, watch. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whose name? Jesus. Whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. Think of those words as just being blown up all of a sudden. When he said remission of sin watch what happens next verse while peter was still speaking these words what words remission of sins while he was still speaking these words the holy spirit fell upon all of those who heard the word next whoo come on and, but peter and the other apostles answered and said we ought to obey god rather than men and what happened let me just kind of finish this for you they all the holy spirit fell upon them all and they all began to speak in tongues what's so interesting is he had been preaching now i'm just this is how i see it this is just a perspective that i saw but it just glared out to me that as he's preaching the word the message 
the testimony of what Jesus did. As soon as he hit those key words, remission of sin, the Holy Spirit jumped up. That's my key right there. That's what I'm talking about. And he came up and on the whole house. It's because it triggered it the the understanding that now you're preaching when you preach the message of that jesus came for the remission of your sins now you're talking my language watch this go to acts chapter 5 i'm gonna just say this if you want to see the world in a worldwide revival you need to take people to the remission of their sins. You wanna see a revival? Tell the people what the Holy Spirit's telling them, that Jesus came for the remission of their sins. Released, they are now released from guilt and condemnation. Watch this, Acts 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, 29 through 32 says, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey rather than men, God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered. Watch this. By hanging him on a tree. He's talking to Jews, right? Watch this. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be the prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of their sins. And we are, who? Who's we? We are his witnesses to those things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. We are witnesses to what Jesus did, and so is the Holy Spirit. Let's reverse this. The Holy Spirit is a witness to what Jesus did for the remission of your sins. And so should we be. That's our message. That's our message. You're forgiven. You've been covered. It's done. It's, you're blessed. You don't have to stay in your condemnation. You don't have to stay in your guilt no more. Come on. If the, I just kind of wrote this note. If the American church spent half as much time preaching to people about what Jesus has done for them, Instead of these pseudo-prophecies and, and, and outrageous eschatology, the, and instead of getting caught into all of that stuff, if we would just preach about what Jesus did for them instead of what Jesus is going to do to them, we would see the revival we've been praying for for centuries. We've been wasting time about an angry God, a punitive, distant God who's going to get people and every moment we spend wasting on that, there's another moment we have lost where we could be witnessing to people about what Jesus did and allowing the Holy Spirit to do the same. Come on. The Holy Spirit's message is not what you did wrong. It's what Jesus did right. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will bring correction, yes. But every correction that the Holy Spirit brings to you and I is to what? Build you up. Remind you of what Jesus did. Remind your heart. Remind your mind. Remind your life that the Holy Spirit is whispering to you, you are forgiven. Your sins have been remitted. The price was paid. And what he's doing is he's letting you know, son or daughter, that choice you're making right now is below you it's beneath you you are more than that you are more than the choices that you're making let me remind you not let me beat you down let me take a book and throw it at you let me yell at you and scream at you you filthy rags piece of garbage that's the way we see him that's not what he's doing he's coming alongside and whispering in your ear you are loved you are blessed you are forgiven let me remind you what Jesus did for you. Let me. I, I, I remember this message when a bishop had a, walked out in the audience and he was walking with, uh, I think it was a young man, and, and, and the, the conversation is like, <laughs> bishop was kind of being like the enemy and whispering in his ear, you know, saying, hey, you know, <laughs> your, your wife shouldn't talk to you like that. 
And there was all this conversation. And as soon as the man stopped and turned his ear to what the enemy was saying, it kind of, we gave the amen to what the enemy's saying rather than the amen of what Jesus is saying. That's the same thing that's happening here is the Holy Spirit is on a daily walk with you and coming alongside of you and whispering in your ear, you are loved, you are forgiven, you are blessed. Let me remind you of the price that was paid for your life. That choice you're making is below you. I'm not here to beat you down. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to remind you of how loved and cared for and what price was paid so that you would have the remission of your sins and you could raise up to what he's already called you for. Watch this. Somewhere along this, I want you to see this. As I, I begin to close here, I just want you to see this. Somewhere along the, the, the line, it became God's desire to deposit into the heart of man the Holy Spirit. Up until this point in the Old Testament, we see that God is somewhat, I don't want to say, I hate using this words, but he, he handcuffed himself to almost like the natural realm. In other words, he's doing everything's on the outside of the believer. We have the tabernacle, right? You have to go to a physical place. We have fire by night, cloud by day. Everything's in a physical realm. And your sacrifices were everything. You're killing sheep, killing goats. Everything was a physical sense. And somewhere along this process, God begins to get weary of your self-righteousness and of your your justification and of your gifts that you're bringing. It began to get weary. You can see it in Isaiah. You can see it in Ezekiel. And you begin to see this God that's saying, you know what? This isn't what I want. I'm getting tired. This isn't what my desire is. And he began to prepare the children of Israel to come inside, to come into the believer. Come on. So watch this. Go to Ezekiel. 36, 24 through 27. Let me say this. The Holy Spirit is linked to our sonship. We receive the Spirit because we are sons, and we are sons because we receive the Holy Spirit. In Ezekiel 36, 24 through 27, it says, for I will take you, okay, where are we with this? Where's this scripture? Old Testament. It's Old Covenant, Right? So what he's doing here is this is a prophecy. And God is actually speaking through the prophet Ezekiel. These are his words. This is his heart for mankind. For I will take you from among the nations. I will gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be what? Clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all of your idols. I will give you a new heart. Say a new heart. A new heart. And I put a new spirit within you. I will, I will put a what? A new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Next verse. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Mm. This is the prophecy. So what you see then all of a sudden in, in uh, where Jesus, in I think it's John 13, where Jesus stands up having fully known who he is and the Last Supper, he stands up, puts on his garment and he begins to walk around and he says to them, I want to cleanse you. You're cleansed. And he begins to wash their feet. Right? Then Paul takes that same thing and brings it into his, his purpose. Uh, I think it's, uh, uh, well, then Paul takes that thought and he brings it and says, you have been cleansed from all your unrighteousness. You are made whole. You're made new. I think the revelation that you and I need to get and walk in is that we're no longer 
walking in our old man. We are brand new creations. When Jesus died, you died. When Jesus rose again, you rose again as a brand new man. And then the power of the Holy Spirit is given to you into your life so that you can walk around being understanding that your sins have been remitted and now you become a witness to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're not walking around focused on what's wrong with you, beating yourself up, hating on yourself, bringing self-condemnation. Look at the choices I've made. I'm such a low piece of, uh, I heard somebody say, I'm nothing but a tick on the back hair of God. Come on, man. You are his righteousness. You are his love. You are his passion. He died for you so that you would know who you are. God is saying, I don't want just the outside of you any longer. <laughs> I don't want your performance. I want the inside of you. I want your heart. I want to live in my people. I want to live through my people. I want to touch the world through their hands. He wants us, there's this, there's this moment here of how do we link this to being sonship? And I gotta close, I gotta get this to you right here. Go to Luke chapter 11, five through 11. This is where it all comes together for me. And I want you to see, as Bishop says, there's two, you can have two thoughts, two, you know, two different ideas on a scripture and they both be true. And I wanna show you, there's these two elements that Jesus is expressing. And I want you to ask yourself, where are you? Where are you in this? Watch, Luke chapter five says, I mean chapter 11 verse five says, and he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to them at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing set before him. And he will answer him from within, saying, do not trouble me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give it to you. Next verse. But I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. But then right here. But I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Watch this. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door shall be opened. But this is where it changes right here. This is a shift. But let me ask you this. If a son asks, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, Will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? No. Next verse. If you then, being evil, if you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Oh, man. To those who ask him. Let me show you this. This is a perspective that impacted and changed my life. How many times have I seen myself as the man persistently knocking and beating and begging and asking God? There's nothing wrong with ask, seek, and knock. Nothing at all. But let me just say, what, what I think is the deeper revelation here is that Jesus is showing which would you rather be. Would you rather be the man on the outside knocking or would you rather be the children on the inside with the father? Which would you rather be? Persistent, begging, asking for God. Like, I just want to make sure this is clear. This is how I see it. There's no, I don't see anything wrong with asking, seeking, and knocking. I'm not trying to belittle that. But there's such a deeper place that you can go. 
that you can come and you got to start seeing yourself as a son or a daughter and you're not on the outside of the house. He's created a way for you to be on the inside. And on the inside, it's not a knocking, begging, crying, pleading with God. It's a tugging. It's a little reaching over and tugging on the Father. Father, I need some water. Hey, Dad, come on. You're a son. You're a daughter of the living God. When you begin to have the revelation of who you really are and what Jesus really did for you and the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in you to give you a mission in life, you begin to understand that you're on the inside. You've been called, appointed, and anointed. So what we see, what we see here is I just wrap this thing up. Is then we see the disciples go to the upper room and they, they have been told the message and Jesus says, it's better for you that I should leave so that I can leave with you the power, the, the, the Greek word there is dynamite, the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit so that you can do what I've called, appointed, and anointed you to do in this life, which is what? Tell people that Jesus covered their sins and that he paid a price. Your sins have been remitted. You are blessed and loved children of the Most High God on the inside with Father. So Peter goes, I knew at some point that was going to happen. Peter goes and the whole disciples are in the upper room and they're waiting. And they're waiting for the Holy Spirit, which it seems like an odd thing because we saw that Jesus gave them the Holy Spirit. So why are they waiting on the Holy Spirit? Here's a perspective. As they began, they had the Holy Spirit in them. Bishop gave me this example and I'm gonna give it to you right now because we're doing baptism today. And I thought this was just beautiful. As I drink this, it's in me. But if I got in there, I'd be in it. Come on. That deserves more than that. You gotta think about that. Let that process that. It's the difference of having the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit having you. We believe that anybody that becomes a believer has the Holy Spirit. But it might end up just looking like an old dead battery that has no power, not charging, has no purpose, it's just sitting there dormant, waiting, waiting for you to walk into the revelation of what was done for you and who you are in him. And then as you immerse yourself in the Holy Spirit, what happens is the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Let me give you the way I break that down. He comes up and on. The Holy Spirit within you, being filled up to overflowing, be being filled with the Holy Spirit, comes up and on and begins to lead and to mold and to shape and to bring you into circumstances where you can be a witness to what the Holy Spirit is the witness of, that Jesus came for the remittance of your sins and for the whole wide world to be saved. We don't serve an angry, distant, punitive God. We serve a God that sent his son because he so loved the world that they need to be reminded that there was a price that was paid. He paid that price. He paid for your righteousness. 
He took your sins so that you could take his righteousness. And the Holy Spirit is coming alongside of you and letting you know he did it for you. He loves you. He ministered to you. He forgives you. You're loved. You're blessed. You're forgiven. You're anointed of God. You've got a purpose, a destiny, a vision, a dream. There's something that the Holy Spirit on the inside of you has got for you. It's not to be dormant. Come alive, church. Come alive. So the Holy Spirit takes and comes in that room and falls upon each and every head like fire. And Peter stands up with the message he's already had. And he walks to the edge of the room under what? Now, the anointing, the powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit. And walks to the edge and begins to preach. And three thousand people got born again in one day you want to see revival cornerstone lead people to the remission of their sins you want to see revival be immersed we see baptism here today that's showing that we've been immersed in Jesus and we've come up a brand new man a brand new creation but you have to see that you can become immersed in the Holy Spirit. And He can lead you and mold you and shape you and put you in situations and circumstances where you are the light of the life of the world. And you have Jesus in, and in you and coming out of every pore of your body. You should be witnesses of the Holy Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit the witness of? Jesus. Next time you think about trying to push somebody down or correct or hate on people or get judgmental or angry towards people, remember that you are the witness of what the Holy Spirit is the witness. You come alongside and whisper in their ears, I know you don't know it right now, but you are so loved. And Jesus has taken your sin. That's our message. Thank y'all so much for having me. <laughs>